Hey everyone, I'm One More Sanchez and this is Dragging the Line Podcast, episode 31. This week, Polly G talks to professional psychic Jeffrey Selman. Born with psychic ability, Jeffrey has dedicated his life to helping those in need of his services. He has written essays, articles, as well as appearing many times on radio and television, including E! Entertainment, six appearances on Coast to Coast, where he actually performed a successful exorcism in front of TV cameras. So y'all grab some drinks so that Paul can sound a whole lot better. Don't know you won't know you rocking with your favorite duo. Joining me on the other end is Paulie G live from the SC. What up, fam? What's going on, man? We are back at it again. Another day, another dollar. Right now, tonight, we have something special for you guys. This is something near and dear to my heart. You guys heard from the intro, Jeffrey Silman, a very well-known psychic. This guy there's not much to say all i know is i'm a believer if you're not a believer this will probably at least give you something to think about because nobody really knows what happens when you die you don't know if you go to heaven if you reincarnate if you just die and there's nothing but either way i think you guys are really gonna like it coming up next we got jeffrey Selman, so don't go nowhere i'm a music collector and i have like 200 gigabytes of music just on one of my computers here Oh, wow. I, I do have it saved, but I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it's just cooking stuff up on my computer. I got you. What is your uh, what is your music of choice genre wise? I like everything. Uh, now, I, I specialize in uh, like hard to get stuff like radio shows and bootlegs, but it's got to okay. be soundboard. No audience. And I hate audience okay. stuff. I've been to a I thousand rock and roll concerts in my life. And I still mm-hmm. go. I still go. I used to go until yeah. this COVID yeah, yeah. thing. But uh, anything from the Beatles up to Slayer. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Beatles to Slayer. And sometimes right next to each other. One, I have it set on like shuffle. So one mm-hmm. minute you say hello and I say goodbye. And also yeah. it's like, shout the head. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, sounds fine to me. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's about the same with me. Uh, uh, we, we talk about that in one of our episodes how you can tell a lot about somebody uh, by going through their playlist and seeing what types of music that they like and which ones they listen to the most. So, uh, you know, that, that's interesting. That, that's how one of the reasons I actually fell in love with my wife because she was one of the first women that really loved the, the 80s. Uh, yes, I love the 80s. Sure. You know, I love classic rock. Like that's It's all my, good. It's exactly. all good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Back in the so, 80s, I was stage diving and jumping off the stage in the middle of concerts into the audience. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit wild, you know, and, and uh, wow. gee, I, my favorite kind of music would be progressive rock. Yes, Genesis mm-hmm. and Pink Floyd, things like that. Doors is my favorite. That's my favorite. Great my stuff. favorite artist group. Yeah, I love the Doors, Pink Floyd. That, uh, yeah, that gets me going to a place where I need to get. There was a the great coffee shop in Amsterdam called The Doors. And all they really? played was The Doors. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it's gone now. And there was also a coffee mm-hmm. shop in Amsterdam called Pink Floyd. And all they played was Pink yeah, Floyd nice. on all three levels. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Uncomfortably like numb. That, yeah. Trust me. Yeah. 
I love it. I love it. Stuck I need a on whole the wall. Lot of love. <laughs> there right we now. go. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so I spoke with Jesse. He's not going to be able to make it, but he just wanted me to shout out to you and say sorry. Uh, he wish he could be here, oh, but uh, I, I'm I'm more prepared and I'm more. We work good together in the sense because we. He's he's got a, a long long time girlfriend. I guess you could say Mary. He lives with her. I'm married. I got kids. He has no kids. So we're kind of opposites of the spectrum. Uh, you know, he doesn't believe supernatural UFOs, all the aliens. You know, I do. So I told him, well, you know what? It would just be best anyway because uh, not that uh, I'm trying to make him a believer. Uh, he does fear the the other side. Uh, we had a Halloween special episode where we talked about that, uh, which I was surprised where uh, we had asked one of the questions, if you were paid to go into one haunted house that you knew was haunted and all of that, would you do it? I, we both said you couldn't pay me to go in there and do that. But, but listening to, uh, I feel like I know you quite a bit. I've listened to a lot of uh, your interviews, a lot of your podcasts over the last four or five days. Um, I know a lot of your background story. So if you want, let's just dive right in. And uh, I, I know it's a cliche question because almost every outlet of media that you spoke about asked you the same, you got to start. How was it that you came about and how did it all come into fruition to be who you are? Paul, I was born with psychic ability. I didn't know what psychic ability was. Uh, I was born in 1959 uh, in the suburbs of Milwaukee is where I lived. And uh, it was a very spiritually dry community. There were a lot of different religions going on, which kind of made it dry in a way because nobody really wanted, there was no one particular dominant religion and, and no particular philosophy. And so when I was going to school, I would see not every day and not every class, but I would see these adults in the classroom dressed in different kinds of clothing that seemed to be paying attention to the students. I mean, they were kind of like leaning over the students, or I should mm -hmm. say our assignments in class. Yeah. And I was wondering who they were. And I would ask the teacher, you know, who are these these people? You know, it wasn't like one of these beings or whatever they were, because I would kind of I could kind of see through them. So I was like, like translucent. What are they? Yeah, partially. And uh -huh. I, I, I said, who are they? And it was like, we don't see anybody, you know, and it didn't go over well in 1963 wow. or four. And I can tell yeah. you and got me in more trouble. People became afraid of me, which I did not like. I was yeah. not out for that exact opposite i wanted to be, have, have be friends with people yeah. i thought everybody could see these things uh, i was also able to remember all of my dreams and also at that time what i was able to tell my mother grandma's gonna call at 2 p.m tomorrow or 2 13 p.m and then that would happen so they were a little bit concerned about me you know that you know what's going on in and i was uncomfortable in class i was very I went to the same uh, elementary school, grade through one, one through six here in the United mm -hmm. States that my both of my parents went to. It mm -hmm. was not an old rickety building. It was actually a very beautiful brick building and well-maintained, but it was that old. You know, we're, we're essentially that 40 years old back then or whatever. And I was really picking up on the emotional energy in the classroom. It, it, it really became so intense uh, and so... Uh, to the point where the teachers really wanted me out of the class yeah. and, and uh, too many questions. Too... So what happened was during the third to fourth grade summer, I made a decision that I was simply going to drop the conversation completely. 
They had me mm. tested at a hospital for, I don't think they called it psychic ability back then. It was, or ESP. I don't know what the names were, but it did come up with a positive. Mm-hmm. And I spent a couple of days in the hospital with electrodes in my head. And it was pretty frightened because I didn't mm. know, you know, what the problem was. But, and so um, what I did was I really never spoke about it again, all the way through high school even. And all I really used it for really was that I knew trouble was coming, which a lot of your audience can probably relate to. Mm that you get a feeling that something's going to happen in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so they used to drag me out. And sometimes they didn't have to drag me out of high school. And we'd be doing some stuff we weren't supposed to be doing. Our high school was on a very busy street corner. And uh, I always knew when the teacher was coming out or the police might be pulling up. I get like a 15 to 30 second warning in my head. And, and I'd be able to uh, tell the group that, hey, we got to get out of here right now. And when I ran, they ran. Because when they didn't run, they learned the hard way. <laughs> Would you say that your parents were afraid or were they just more, my child may or may not have, because I'm imagining this was late 50s, early 60s, they probably didn't have much access to know about that type of, of beings, the other side and all of that. Uh, how would you say, were they more embracing of it or were they just scared of what was going on with you? My mother was fine. I I had a visitation of two aliens in my bedroom when I was four years old as well. I go into that in my my first uh, book. But the idea is that my mother seemed to be quite okay with it and find it to be maybe a little bit useful, although it seemed to be kind of hard on me. My father, I found out later on, uh, my parents were divorced later on. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we talked about it, I didn't realize that he was actually highly uncomfortable with it and did not take to it well at all. And far, I, I didn't really realize that until I was an adult. Yeah, yeah. Now, were you able, as you became an adult, to explain to him and understand, make him understand, hey, it's okay? Uh, but was he receptive to it later on in life or was he just still always uncomfortable about it? It's a really great question, Paul. And the answer is, is unfortunately, no. Okay. Right. That, that he it never mm-hmm. got together. I got you. You okay. know that it, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't under. It was not close to me. I so got you. Okay. They're they're both deceased, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they're gone. But the idea is that uh, no, I think that he had atheistic tendencies, mm-hmm. and to him that this was a contradiction to everything that he believed in. But we never did discuss it. Mm-hmm. I got you. I, got I don't think you. he was so much afraid of me as an adult as he was just. You know, I don't want to deal with this. Mm, afraid of the unknown. I got you. Um, oh, by the way, if there's if there's anything, uh, uh, we are a comedy podcast, but we also, through our laughter, we like to think we're funny. Uh, we try to change people's lives and, and, and let them see other parts of lives, whether I'm going through something, you're going through something, whatever. So if there's this question that I ask uh, that you're not comfortable with, let me know. Um, and we could just cut it right out. So we'll be able to to just, I just want you to be, you know, uh, comfortable. You know what I mean? A few questions. Uh, when, do you remember much of the treatment that you took when they had the electrodes? Now, would you call that electro shock? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, I remember the whole thing, unfortunately. All they did was they stuck, uh, it was in a hospital. It was actually in a major hospital, in the same hospital I was born in. Oh, wow. uh, and uh, what they did was it was a couple overnights and uh, they stuck electrodes in my head and were just monitoring my brain activity. Uh, the problem you. was, was that I've never been able to sleep on command. Oh. And, and I've really had some problems sleeping in my life, especially when I was younger. 
mm-hmm. and I did not sleep. I mean, stick some electrodes on a, on a kid's head who's five years old, six years yeah. old, yeah. and say, now it's time to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. just wasn't happening, and I, I never did go to sleep. I don't think they ever got a real accurate reading uh, from the whole thing. Now, I, I think, you know, one of the things I could probably tell you as far as an analogy, mm-hmm. uh, after I got out of the Air Force, um, I took an aptitude test uh, before I went to college. And what the uh, teacher said to me, uh, administered the test was, she said that my senses were so precise that she said that what you'd be good at doing jeffrey would be working in a nuclear power plant now nowadays they're designed differently but she was taught this was a long time ago and and what she was saying was that she said if if there was a hundred dials on a wall that you could tell if one of those dials moved a quarter of an inch oh wow that your your eyes would immediately move to that one dial Mm mm-hmm and she said that she found that to be really fascinating. Wow. And I know when I was in the Air Force, they also did aptitude test test on me. I was in after the Vietnam War. I actually scored in the top three percentile of anybody who's taken a communications test up until then. Hmm. Now, when you uh, were in the Air Force, uh, did you let anybody know about, uh, I, mean, would, I mean, I would call them a gift. Did you let anybody know through that timeline about your gift, including uh, the, the, the Air Force? No, the last people I would tell. Things worked out anyway. You know, I actually yeah. had some interesting adventures, you know, that in the Air Force. I mean, mm-hmm. so kind of, things went kind of sideways in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Something I don't talk about a lot, but actually that, no, I never spoke about it with them. That would have, I would have been, they, they never would have let me in because they had no draft. They really uh, weren't looking for people. Yeah. There were no wars going on. What they mm-hmm. wanted me for was my technical skills and communication. Right. They wanted me because they thought I'd be good at interpreting uh, signals from, say, hostile sources. I get what you. they told me. So, would you call yourself a psychic, a medium, an exorcist? Are you, or are you all of the above? All of the above. You know, it's uh, the first seven years of my work, Paul, that that started professionally in 1992. I only handled the bad stuff. I put in a couple of uh, small advertisements in local newspapers and things like that and uh my concept was only to handle really really bad things uh in people's homes and that's all i really worked on for the first seven years uh-huh. what i found uh during the 1990s when i was working doing these things before the internet even started uh-huh. was that uh along with maybe something negative being in somebody somebody's house there seemed to be an awful lot of the same negative emotional energies that I've been picking up my entire life. Meaning that either the uh, negative spirits thrived in an emotional, emotionally negative atmosphere or that they created or contributed to a negative emotional environment. And so what I ended up formulating was that modern exorcism has to be two parts not only the banishment of any kind of negative spirit that might be harassing a family, harassing an individual or business, but also clearing property of negative, mo- negative emotional energy that may have been produced by former tenants of that property, current tenants, or both, in order to, to actually do that right. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, something that's a little bit different than traditional exorcism, where you simply were focusing on the immediate problem. I was also trying to solve the underlying issue of why they were there in the first place. Uh, Not on a psychological or emotional level, mm-hmm. but actually by releasing and pushing out negative emotional energy, which I think is not physical, but exists. I think it's a non-physical energy that we can feel, mm-hmm. but we just simply can't see. Mm-hmm. Now, would you and, say, uh, for the listeners out there, um, I only know this because I've, I've done extensive research on you, your exorcisms are not like uh, you see the Catholic priests uh, you know, the power of Christ compels you, that types of exorcisms. Uh, what exactly uh, are the types of exorcisms that you do? I actually wing it. Everyone is different because spirits come from different places. They have different motivations. And there are a number of different techniques that can actually uh, successfully drive a negative spirit and dissolve a connection between a negative spirit or a demonic spirit, which are two different things, Uh and a living person. And so there are many different techniques that can be used The Catholic Rite of Exorcism is very successful if done properly. Uh The two problems being that uh, you have to belong to the Catholic religion or they won't touch it. Uh And not everybody is Catholic. Uh And I handle, I work with everybody, Uh whether you have a religion or no religion. And the other problem being that I've had a lot of clients call me up who have are are Catholic that have called the Catholic archdiocese and and said, look, you know, we're having a problem. And they send out somebody and they sprinkle some holy water and they leave and the problem doesn't go away. And then they end up calling me and I got to finish the job. And that is, that's not in Dick. This is not normal. I mean, the Catholic Mm -hmm. church has really great exorcists. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. not every archdiocese does. I get you. But the Catholic uh, right of exorcism actually does work when done properly. Okay. Uh, is there a, a story or something that you wouldn't mind sharing? Like, were you ever scared in a certain type of exorcist? Were you ever um, assaulted by a said demon or negative energy or anything like that? I get attacked all the time when I'm facing down a spirit with weapons that exist only on the non-physical level, which means non-physical swords, different kinds of things that I make that have an effect upon reducing the uh, effectiveness and power of negative emotional energy and negative spirits. It's kind of like unwinding a golf ball and reducing their power. Mm-hmm. And so I have a whole bunch of techniques that I use, uh, not just particularly one. And so everyone is different. And so I kind of gauge what I'll be needing to use uh, right Mm -hmm. then and there. I'm very, very connected to a group of higher spirits that are very powerful that had asked me, this is about 1997 or so, five -hmm. years after I started my work professionally, if I wanted to join this organization and I would really, not only did that really get a lot of some incredible things happening to me where I was able to gather the information and knowledge and power and skill that I needed, Paul, in Mm -hmm. order to carry this out, Mm -hmm. but also uh, somebody to back me up. Mm -hmm. And not just one spirit, but a very large 
group of spirits that don't like negative spirits pushing people around. Mm. They're not weak, you know, yeah. that they're warriors. Could you call them your guardian angels? Is there, what's the difference between guardian angel, spirit, and demon? Well, demonic spirit would be the counterpart of an angel, meaning that uh, I believe that angels are not created as angels. I think that they work their way up just like we do through multiple lifetimes until they no longer can gain anything or learn anything from the physical world. I believe the same thing happens to us. Demonic spirits are spirits that have been around. They're very old and they're very good at attacking people and also other spirits. And, and they don't like human beings. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that we want. Let me run that by again here. There's nothing that they want from us. Mm-hmm. This is a great mistake that people make thinking that they can control negative spirits of any kind. Negative spirits don't use money. Spirits don't use money. There's no money used on the other side of any kind anyway. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that they want. And so they're more likely to attack the people that try to call them, uh, if they do, let's just say, then uh, attack somebody that they want, uh, this group or individual wants uh, to attack. Uh, When it comes to spirit guides, I think we all have spirit guides. Uh, They could be anybody from dead relatives and people that we've known, but the usual spirit guides would really be spirits that we wouldn't have known in physical lifetime that actually do this normally as uh, essentially a job or work uh, on the other side, what people call heaven, uh, which is a very natural and normal name uh, for the other side. And everybody seems to like it. And so I kind of use it myself quite often. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm saying is that in place of people walking the streets of gold or singing in the heavenly choir, none of these things are happening. That spirits actually are quite busy, not only having some fun, but also can be quite, you know, they deliberately want to help uh, not only other spirits, uh-huh. but also help those in need on the physical level. Hmm. So you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it's it's that old, uh, you see it in movies all the time where uh, if a person has unfinished business, let's say that the light or even the darkness calls to them, but instead they're like, no, I'm going to stay here because... I have unfinished business. Uh, would you say that those are what spirits are as well? Uh, it's not unfinished business. It's just that they either won't leave or they're afraid to leave. They might be confused. There's nothing they can do here. We normally can't see them, Paul. And so when people die, they can shout out all they want. You know, hey, I'm okay. You mm-hmm. know, I'll just use you as an example. Uh, you know, Paul, I- I'm dead. You know, everything's okay. I feel great. I just want you to know that everything's fine. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. You're not going to hear them. You might meet them in your dreams, mm-hmm. uh, but you're not going to see them. And eventually they're going to become frustrated and uh, they're going to move away from the physical world into a- a- another level. You know, a sen- they're already there. And that's yeah. the that's the problem, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's it really isn't a problem in itself. What the problem is, is that they don't understand that they can't communicate with people who are on the physical level because we cannot hear them. 
Mm, see, I was, that was one of my questions was, are they aware? Because I've, I've uh, you know, seen that there's a lot of misconceptions out there. I'm sure you know that, uh, that, you know, some spirits, when they manifest themselves, uh, that they are not aware that you're there, that they're actually in their own plane, maybe in another lifetime. It just so happened that our physical consciousness has merged with them, but they have no idea we're there. So that that's good to know, to, to, to know that. I consider you the professional to say that they are aware that we're here. Uh, it might be said really quickly. Let me, I'll point out this, that uh, a lot has been said with near death experiences, most of which, you know, that I've seen seem to be very, very valid. Mm -hmm. Most of these people have no interest in spreading false information or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just something that happened to them when they were close to death. Mm -hmm. But you know, the, the idea of the, uh, the tunnel, the light, going into the light, uh, a spirit coming out and grabbing you by the hand and kind of pulling you into heaven. Mm -hmm. none, of the, none of these things are really necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, this really is all uh, signals, you know, basically move away from the physical world, the physical level is what the light is saying of what the tunnels are about. It's really a, a, a trick of the mind. I'm not saying that it cannot be created. Anything can be created on the non-physical level. I'm saying that it's not necessary that most spirits are quite capable of finding their way home. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I, need don't need any of that. Yeah, you know, the more and more that I I not only do with the research I did with you, but the more that because I'm big on um, uh, a lot of people know this. Listeners do. I get made fun of. Uh, I love Eckhart Tolle and his teachings of. Uh, you know, your consciousness stepping outside. It seems to me that the name of the game here is energy and consciousness. So it, like that old thing saying like when you die, your mind lives for maybe a, a minute or two. Um, and that's just your consciousness, whether it, it, it makes itself what you want it to be. So when you die, if the, what makes you feel good is, you know, your marriage day, your kids being born, all of that. Um, and then you finally pass on, to the other side uh what is it in your experience uh, what is on the other side uh, like what is it just you know, your conscious lives for the whatever minutes and then your brain goes dead your body shuts down and then your spirit uh, uh your soul if those are the same what happens after that in your experience the physical body paul is just a vessel for the spirit the physical body lasts for about five minutes to 80 years or so, or 90 years, if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, the crust of the bread. Mm -hmm. uh, let me give you an example of something that happened to me that might uh, give your listeners uh, an, a better idea. I didn't have a near-death experience. What I had was an actual death experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened was I was uh, studying in a library back in 1987, at a university here in Wisconsin, uh, I was completely awake. I was not intoxicated on anything. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I was someplace else. I was in this, what seemed to be a truck. How did I know it was a truck? It had a very high curved ceiling. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and I don't know a lot about trucks and cars from the old days, but I mean that I assumed that I was in some kind of pickup type truck mm -hmm. because of the high curved ceiling type thing. The next thing I saw was my face. I did not look like I look right now. Uh, I, I looked to be about 19 years old and I had reddish hair, uh, but I got a good look in my eyes. And the first thing I thought was, hey, that's me. And uh, and then all of a sudden, bang, you know, I, I really heard a bang. And uh, the next thing I, I know, I felt 
I, I felt that I hit my head on something and I felt myself rolling down this road. And the next thing I know, I am up in the air and maybe 25 feet in the air. And I'm looking down at a body lying in the middle of the road and essentially an old truck that looked maybe looked like it was from the 30s or very early 40s. Mm -hmm. uh, and it hit, it hit an outcropping of rock. Uh, and it was and the engine was smoking. It was not on fire. Yeah. Uh, and I could see everything very clearly. And the first thing I said to myself, Paul, was that I'm dead. Hmm. Not that am I dead or I'm going to die hmm. or is this it or anything like that. I knew that I was dead. There, there was a, a very much of a remembrance of that was it. There was no doubt in my mind that I was dead. The second thought that came into my mind, which was far more important and meant far more to me, was that I felt just fine, uh, that I, my personality had not changed one little bit, and that actually I could see everything very clearly. The physical world was not invisible to me, and that actually everything kind of looked a little bit shimmery, almost not not flowing or anything, mm -hmm. but actually like uh, kind of a little bit sparkly, like it was like really super clear, like on a super clear day where everything mm -hmm. is like, you know, like just really standing out. Uh, I don't believe that was a near death experience. I think that that was my spirit guides initiating. This was five years before I started uh, my work. Mm -hmm. And um, that it was my spirit guides, I thought at the time, trying to let me know for my peace of mind mm -hmm. what it was like to pass on. What I didn't know, which I had no idea was going to start any, any kind of work at all five years later, yeah. was what this was really about was that I would be able to help my clients who were really wondering what it was like uh after a person died and so i was able to say nothing you know that essentially that you that you will not even know that you're dead unless you see your body lying in the hospital bed or the road or wherever you happen to be dead that you don't change that you're not going to dissolve that your personality is going to be intact and if you're asking me what heaven is like uh what i'm saying is that and I've learned because I'm able to travel up to the other side uh, at my will that uh, you can create through visualization anything non-physical. This is something that some people have a hard time understanding, but I, what I'm asking people to do is to th think like a spirit a little bit. You're not trying to create anything physical. What you're trying to do is you're, a spirit is a non-physical being. Mm -hmm. There's nothing physical about a spirit, mm -hmm. but spirits actually generate a shape. So they look like something. They like to look like something. Very few people see naked spirits. It's very, very, very seldom are these things reported, which is actually kind of interesting oh. since people say, well, why do spirits need clothing? They don't. So why do they wear them? Why? Because they like to look good. We do not lose our sense of fashion once we pass uh, on to the other side. We, as a matter of fact, we actually like to, we actually generate clothing. It's not something we go, something we go and buy. There's no stores. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's a matter of simply generating an image of how we like to look. 
and you can believe that people, some people are going to want to appear maybe in robes one day, and the next day it's going to be a beautiful suit or a beautiful dress, whatever they want to wear, uh -huh. and uh, they're going to look good. Because if you really think about it, what would we do as human beings if we had unlimited money, which I don't, you don't, anybody I, I, I know doesn't, you know, mm -hmm. that essentially we probably would go to the clothing store and we would get, I say, you know, I'll take three of those white suits, three of those blue suits, huh. you know, and I want some really nice, so the, these really great shirts and all that. Spirits like to look good. They're, they're just as concerned about how they look as, as uh, we are uh, on earth because I don't think that spirits change that much when they die. I don't think people change that much when they die. The only thing that really changes the, is that because we're no longer stuck in the physical world, mm -hmm. that we're able to, our mind actually stretches and expands to the point where we can actually, we become even more telepathic than we already are. And we're able to see our lives, our whole lives, and also uh, read other people's minds. Uh, what I say to people is, is that there are no secrets in the universe. We may have secrets we don't know right now, but un unfortunately, any, any spirit can read your mind. And don't forget, everybody, follow us on our Facebook page, Dragging the Line. You can also reach Jesse at One More Sanchez. On Instagram, you can reach me at G underscore SC. You can find us everywhere. Just look for a Dragging the Line podcast. And if you could, give us a review. Now back to the show. Nothing to be afraid of because we're not doing anything that they haven't done. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> uh, not interested. Yeah, you know. yeah uh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too, you know. So I if not you think perfect. there are spirits hanging around your bedroom staring at you, yeah. they're probably not. <laughs> okay. Any any good spirit, they're going to give you your privacy. I they might so. come down and help you <laughs> and teach you something. Then they're going to leave. They're not going to live in your house. You know, they're going to leave and stuff. You know, nobody is going to want us to stare at other people. Well, it's very impolite. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing that I, I always told myself, uh, uh, you know, I was raised Catholic. I joined the Baptist faith uh, for years and then kind of got away from that. As I got older, I'm kind of learning uh, that, you know, he heaven is is what you make it. You know, you be a good person, you know, do good. I can't imagine that if I'm a good person or somebody that's good to me, uh, when they die because they're not a Christian or because they, they don't believe in Jesus that they're going to die. I've always over the, the assumption that you're a good person. When you die, you stay that way. You can become, I've always liked to think that when I would die that, like you said, I would want to know things that I never knew in this life. You know, if I could, I would love to do something where I could put manifest wings on my back and become an angel if need be, whatever it is. Uh, but it seems to me that also that if you are a bad person um, and you've done evil things in your whole life and you consciously know that you do these things, that would you say that these people become the demons? They become the negative essences that are out there that are your poltergeists, your, your hauntings and stuff like that. Is that fair to say? You can't become a demon 
by wanting to be a demon. A demon is a, a, a certain kind of being, much like a bear, you know, or a raccoon or something. You know, I'm just throwing a couple of things out there. I see. Uh -huh. So we're talking about a different kind of being. But as far as being a negative spirit goes, absolutely, Paul. You know that there are sadistic people out there and they continue to do negative things after they die. Very often they do attack people who are living. They attack families, try to get people to do things that they would not normally do. This is where my work intersects. Uh, one of the things that has frustrated me terribly throughout my life is that uh, this needless and pointless argument between scientists and religious people. They're both right. Uh, the religious people believe that they go on after death and that they're going to see their loved ones and their friends, the people they meet at church and all that after they die. And they are completely correct. That is going to happen. And so I tell them, I said, you are going to see that. You are going to see your, this is going to happen. Scientists look at physical reality and they, and they're kind of heading in the same direction, you know, through quantum physics and all of that, you know, they're kind of looking, beginning to see into that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I work in the area where these, essentially where these strings are created and come from. So I don't think that creation and evolution are exclusive. I think they work together. I don't, I don't think they're, they're, it's an argument. I think it starts with creation and works its way up into evolution. Mm. And I'm not a religious person. I, I'm more mm. of a science guy. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is that uh, the concept of there being a God uh, is a very logical or gods. I don't mm -hmm. know. I'm not saying I know everything. Mm -hmm. What I'm uh, saying is that that is a very logical and, and believable philosophy. If there are higher spirits up there, I look at, I look at it like this, that whatever god is whether it's one or many or whatever is definitely a personality no argument it's not a force it's a personality but i look at it more of, of not only being a scientist but also a baker because i think that or our universe the physical universe is not a perfect universe and is created because if you take a look at something like like the planet earth it's not completely round Mm -hmm. Our planet is not completely round. It's kind of pear-shaped a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's kind of round, but yeah. it's not perfectly round. Mm -hmm. So this is the beauty of baking a cake. It's not supposed to be perfect. Yeah. Any good cook will tell you that with the, the secret to their special food is their spices or whatever, how they put you know their stuff together. Yeah. They don't want it to be bland or like everybody else says. They want it to be unique. And so it's very frustrating for me when I see the, this terrible argument going on that is just unnecessary. Yeah, I agree. And, I agree. And, and you're, um, it's for me, not that I went away from religion. I respect the religions. I respect their people and their beliefs. Uh, uh, I definitely agree with what you said. Like, you know, these people that believe there is a Jesus, there is a God. I am going to see all of my, my loved ones and all that. And then that's great. And I, I hope to, as well. And it seems to me that it's basically what you're perceiving in life and believe in that, that more than likely is what's going to happen. Is that fair to say? The, uh, I really don't talk to demonic spirits anymore because uh, they're, 
not worth talking to. Mm-hmm. When I first started out, um, I would try sometimes to at least get their take on things when I mm-hmm. was fighting them. No demonic spirit that I've ever had any conversation with has ever denied the existence of God. No uh, higher spirit that I've ever dealt with, including angelic spirits, has ever denied the existence of God. So if they exist, so does God. They don't, there seems to be no argument on the other side whether God exists. That argument is only uh, on the physical level. Once you're on the other side, it's pretty obvious that, you Mm -hmm. know, that there's, you know, there are creators, you know, creator or creators. I'm not mm-hmm. convinced that your average spirit knows everything. Yeah. But yeah. the idea is that, yeah, that somebody created the, you know, the universe and uh, whoever it is, is very good at it. That was one of my questions. If, if there are demons, there have to be angels. Um, it's a common, um, and maybe it's a misconception that um, we are hated by demons um, and we are envied by angels because of our uh, gift of, a free choice no uh, does that, that no okay no 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 this is philosophy angels love us and there are spirit guides and they i believe that they were once in our place where we are right now uh, this is a philosophy this comes from the movies don't believe it angelic spirits are are good spirits and they're watching out for us and they're the enemies of demonic spirits uh demonic spirits they don't like anybody they don't like each other. Uh, I get you. They're kind of think of criminals. Most criminals carry guns for two reasons: mm-hmm. uh, one to rob innocent people, and one to protect uh, themselves from each other. Mm-hmm. They don't trust each other. Criminals yeah, are more likely to use guns on each other than they, than they are on innocent people. True. Okay. And you know they shoot each other. You know they shoot each other. And so the very same thing with uh, demonic spirits. Demonic spirits. You know, they have such a strong ego, it's ego, Mm -hmm. and that they feel they don't need any help. That they're quite capable of destroying a family or a business or or a person without anybody's help. And they prefer not to use anybody's help. And very often they're quite correct in that, that uh, we can't see them. We don't know that we're under attack. That is why I developed protection techniques it can be brought up in 10 to 15 seconds or less uh-huh. and uh, that are non-religious and they also work with any religion at all because I work with people who belong to all different religions. And so my protection techniques that I developed with my spirit guides work with all religions. What are a few, uh, that's funny because that following right into my question, that was my next question. Um, uh, how close is meditation to your uh, fight against the negative energies and, and what you just said. Uh, like, what, what are some things that somebody can do if they're driving home? Uh, let's say they're in traffic and they know about they're about to flip out if someone has anxiety. My wife has real bad anxiety and uh, she uh, doesn't want to be medicated, but she has to be because of her anxiety, which turns into negative emotions and negative energy. Um, uh, what What is something like a quick few if people are listening out there that they could do Um, you know, just so that their lives can be just a little bit easier, you know, because our our egos and when you said that about demons and how egotistical they are, as well as we are as humans, uh, how big our egos is. uh, I've been learning that ego, you're not your ego. Basically having an ego is not good (laughs) for you for the long run. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. I just, um, my mind is racing, but 
what is I get it where you're coming from yeah yeah so what is it that what is something just a, a quick uh, uh exercise or a tidbit that you would teach somebody uh, uh just to kind of get them going in the right direction i teach a five level uh uh, protection system. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I tell people just to practice one of them if they're having trouble with the other ones, which is actually very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'll, I'll teach one of them very quickly here, but I want to give a little disclaimer. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a little hesitant to uh, say that it's really a, a positive thing to do any of this stuff while driving. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Well, then to take your case. mind off the, take your mind off the, you know, the, the big picture, as they call it, when I was growing up, mm-hmm. uh, is not a good idea in any particular case. Dang and it. so, but let's, okay, so let's just, you know, besides the driving thing, let's just go back to uh, like one protection thing that I could teach. One of the things that, what, I, what I'm really big on doing is understanding that on the other, that essentially we're, do we run a dual system? We run a physical body that is run, essentially run by our spirit. People can say you have the light of God inside of you or whatever. I think that could be very accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, I have no issues with that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but you also have your own individual personality that you're not God. And so uh, one of the things that I, I'm very big on is teaching people how to think like spirits and how spirits create things on the other side, meaning their own homes. Do they need shelter? No. Why do they like homes? Well, we just like homes. We like having our privacy. Mm-hmm. I don't think people change that much. We still like to have our own. Yeah. Heaven is endless and boundless. There's mm-hmm. plenty of room. We're not living next to each other, even though some people do. Yeah. The idea is that create what you want. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm teaching people how to bring up this energy, which we do naturally in small amounts. I'm teaching people how to bring up this energy that spirits use to create things, Paul, in a much larger level. So this really is science. And so one of the things that I teach, one level, and one thing that I think is very important is that people actually create a mirror shield around them when they think that they might be uh, susceptible to either other people's negative emotional energy, which is far more likely than a spirit. Uh, we have, you know, we're, we have our own problems right now. Yeah. Our worst enemies are, we're our own worst enemies right yeah. now. They're just giving us a push. Yeah. And so uh, one thing I'm teaching people is essentially how to bring up energy from the other side through themselves and create a mirror around themselves completely underneath their feet, above their heads, uh, around them that will actually reflect back to the source, much like a laser beam, any negative energy coming to them from people or spirits because Negative emotional energy is not, not always sent deliberately. By spirits, it would be. But by people, they don't know they're sending it. It can be done subconsciously. It can be done when they're sleeping. It's not something we're taught. They don't know that they're making a connection. And so when people think about you, they think, well, I don't like Paul. Mm-hmm. you know. But the idea, or Jeffrey, I don't like Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Well, what they don't understand is they're actually throwing out emotional energy in that direction. And that can actually make a connection to our emotional energy fields. And what I'm trying to do is to get people to learn how to break and dissolve that connection so that does not influence, influence us on any emotional level so that we're not affected by it, so we don't 
react to it. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I teach is sort of a mirror shield so that uh, it automatically bounces back so that we don't have to know when we're under uh, emotional attack by people at work, people who don't like us, uh, people who are well known, uh, you know, it could have anywhere between a thousand to millions of people thinking about them. That's a lot of energy coming at people. They don't have to know where you are. They just have to know who you are. There's there's it psychic energy, which is like telepathic energy. Uh, some psychics call it the Akashic records. What I'm saying is that there's no such thing as the Akashic records. Psychics won't, don't like that. I'm a psychic. What I'm saying is that the Akashic records, from my perspective, simply means that all information is knowable. It's not a library. Hmm. Some psychics see it as a library. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to this library in the, on the other side and pick out your life book. There really is no such thing. What it really is, is that all information is knowable. And so what I'm trying to get at is that uh, how to create a mirror shield so that you're protected uh, and how to bring it up in five seconds flat. And all you really have to do is change the structure of a natural energy that exists everywhere on the other side and bring it up through you uh, naturally through your spirit. And we're still talking, this is all non-physical. Everything that I'm talking about is non-physical and does not relate to the physical body. Because the energy that people send you when they're thinking about you, whether it be positive or negative, or a spirit that might be attacking you, is all non-physical. Spirits are all non-physical. So the only thing we need to worry about is non-physical. The the physical thing is, is not my stuff. It's, it, my thing is the non-physical. And so I'm not talking about don't drive 90 miles an hour down the street backwards. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about is how to protect yourself from emotional energy that people are sending us either subconsciously or consciously. You know, a really good example of this is a really famous example. This has happened many times, but it was a, a very famous star from a soap opera was in a store. This mm-hmm. happened about 15, 20 years ago. And she was actually attacked by uh, a woman in the store who actually called her by the name from the soap opera and said, how can you do that to so-and-so? Yeah. She said, that's just an, a role that I play. <laughs> this is a television show. And this lady was out of control. She was, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, to the point where she was going to, you know, strike this woman. They had, you know, security had to be called and uh, at the store. And this happens a lot. I'm sure a lot of a lot of celebrities can talk about people coming up and saying, how could you do that in that movie? You know, you know, they're not thinking straight. You know, yeah, they're, this yeah. is a movie. It's their job. They're an actor. And, and so there's a lot of people out there that are not necessarily running on all four cylinders. And they don't realize that they're spitting out a lot of negative emotional energy and, and that uh, they're imbalanced and that that energy could be coming at us and also at uh, very well-known people and just about everybody, you know, co-workers who are thinking about you at work that may be behind your back and mm-hmm. they don't know that they're sending you negative energy, uh, but they are, and that can accumulate and make a connection between your body's energy field and their body's energy fields 
much like a pneumatic tube at a drive-through bank, and that energy can be transferred and continually transferred. And one of the things that I do in my work through remote work these days is I work with people from all around the world is uh, dissolving negative connections between uh, every anybody uh, that is that is negative. I don't dissolve anything that is positive because uh -huh. the energy systems that I use do not work on positive energy. Very often we have uh, connections that are both positive and negative. So it's that old um, tutelage going back to uh, energies neither loss or gain simply transferred. Sit it up. is, but I, I really, I really want to stress that even though that energy is never destroyed, Paul, that also personalities are never destroyed. Mm. I, I, as a psychic, uh, in my experience of 30 years and also a whole lifetime of being psychic and also being an exorcist mm -hmm. and also a clearing expert and an author and a mm -hmm. teacher mm -hmm. and who has had many ex uh, very interesting experiences in my life. Uh, which are all in my different books, uh, which are mm -hmm. audio books, because I'm, I'm a really bad writer and a, a better speaker. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's kind of hard to get me to sh shut up. You've probably already learned that. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> uh, that it is kind of a, of a, it's not magic itself. I don't think we give it enough credit mm -hmm. that our personalities never die. I am not a religious person. I never belonged to one religion in my life. Mm -hmm. But I can just tell you that, that it's not just energy, that it's intelligent energy. Mm -hmm. that the soul is not a light the soul cannot be given away the soul cannot be stolen the soul cannot be held hostage the soul is you so when my clients ask me paul they say to me what does my soul like because i can see the soul of any individual i can see the soul of all animals i was born that way i thought everybody could see that that was where the trouble began I can tell you that the soul is a very beautiful thing. Uh, it looks different in, every, in everybody's body. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not the same and it's unique. And when people ask me, Jeffrey, what does my soul look like? Look like I say, go into the bathroom or for those of you who have mirrors on your doors, take a look at yourself. That is your soul. Your soul is you. Hmm. Your soul is you. Yeah. It's not a light in your body. It's not something you can give away. And it's not some, it, it, it is absolutely false that a demonic spirit or a devil can take your soul, bring it down to what some people call hell and torture you for eternity. That's not happening. That's yeah. a philosophy. Yeah. I'm not saying that, that spirits cannot be cordoned off mm -hmm. from other spirits and from human beings. Are they being tortured? No. It's not necessary because the real torture is, is that they're forced to look at what they have done, the ripple effect. When they mm -hmm. hurt somebody, how that affects not only their victim, but how it affects the, the families, how it affects the course of events of uh, the world. It's a huge ripple effect, an event, and they will have to pay for it and, and atone for it in future lifetimes. And also, uh, sometimes just by looking at it and realizing the damage that they've caused, some spirits don't get it. They need to be cordoned off. They continue, to, they're sadistic and they need to, that's the kind of spirits I deal with. I'm a problem solver. And so the idea is that the only kind of spirits I really deal with are negative spirits. I don't try to talk them out of being negative spirits. I'm not a spirit psychologist. Uh -huh. uh, what I do is I, I kick them out of people's homes, far out of people's homes, far out of people's lives, 
far out of people's businesses. Spirits attack people's businesses as well. I wish they'd let me talk about it more when I go, when I do television and radio. Mm-hmm. I know it's a very uncomfortable topic for some people because it's kind of like, why attack a business? Why? Because you can take down 300 people at once. Yeah. Oh, well, that's very true. Very true. Oh, man. I, I, I just have so many questions. I mean, it's it's unfortunately the, the time allotted. Um, I'm sure you get this a lot. I mean, I wanted to get into the into the aliens and, and dreams. And I, what, what, what are your uh, what's your experience with dreams? Uh, like what do you, do you have a lot of experience on dreams like what is your perception of dreams as far as I've heard that they help to heal the body whether it's you know physical illness or even um, psychological or maybe it's something spiritually that you need healed uh, some people say that it uh, you could see into the future deja vu I get a lot of deja vu I always believe that it's because I've dreamt it uh, before but what what is your takes on 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 dreams and and how it's connected uh, if it is to the spirit world. Paul, I believe that all dreams are real. Not, they just don't happen on a physical level. So here's how it goes. The other side, which what people call heaven, mm-hmm. which is all, like I said, a very beautiful name. Mm-hmm. It really fits so that I use it as well. And uh, is our na- that's our, heaven is our natural home. The earth is school. Any, any particular planet, you know, as far as the physical universe is kind of like a big, a big padded room. The most you can do is die. Mm-hmm. And no, there's no such thing as death. So it's kind of a padded room. And so dreams are recess. And what happens is, is that when you dream, about 25% of your consciousness stays on the pillow, meaning that you're still focused on the physical world. 75% or so of your consciousness, Paul, actually leaves your body and goes uh, essentially astral travels, uh, meaning that it actually goes on these great adventures at night or in the daytime whenever you sleep and, and interacts with other people who are sleeping and also spirits. You run into both. And so one of the things that I get when it comes to dreams is that why do I do these really weird things when I'm dreaming? I would not act that way consciously. Mm-hmm. And that's when I say, you know, that you're not fully conscious when you dream. Spirits are fully conscious in, the, in that state, in that realm. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that you are not. Uh, you're only 75% or so conscious. And that's why you do things that are not normal as you're not really all there. And so if you really are being perceptive you can kind of pick out other people who are sleeping and spirits and the difference between the two while you are sleeping so i think you know that dreams are uh uh, it's kind of like going back home for about eight hours every day Mm, gotcha i I believe that you know we just need a rest from it's not just a physical rest it's a mental rest from the from focusing on the physical world. It's not just a physical uh, rest uh, exercise. It also is a mental rest exercise that we need in order because we're totally focused on the physical world. Mm-hmm. But that really is just a very like the phys- like I said before, the physical world is a crust of the bread. Mm-hmm. And heaven or the other side would be the internal part of the bread, the actual bread itself. Hmm. Yeah, I get you. And we, we, need, we need to connect with that. And that's why, uh, you know, most creatures sleep. Mm-hmm. They need to connect with the non-physical, which is our natural state. This hmm. is not our natural state, really. 
we're kind of running a secondary system uh, known as the physical system, a physical body in the physical system for anywhere between, you know, six minutes or so to 90 years, which is really a drop in the bucket. Yeah, yeah. Very wow. small amount of time. Yeah. This whole thing we're doing is just fascinating to me. The dreams, uh, the other side, all of that. I, since I was little, I mentioned this uh, in the podcast uh, uh, months ago. I used to hear my name called a lot. And it's very distinct. It's very, you know, uh, like not scary, but more like just like, and like I would feel it and just kind of, you know, it hasn't happened recently, but it happens like once every five or six years. And I always just wondered if that's something out there trying, am I not open to it? Because I had a a really good brother, well, best, best friend, but a really good brother uh, die about four or five years ago. Um, And I'm always wanted to find a way to manifest them or find a way to see him. I dream about him. That's about it. I can never feel his presence. I wish I could, uh, because there are times he was the guy, he was my go-to, you know what I mean? Uh, other than my wife, he was my go-to. I've not, I've knew him since what we're eight years old, nine, you know, 30 plus years. So for people out there that maybe want, have somebody who passed, uh, my co-host Jesse uh, lost a really good friend as well. Is there a way that we're able to connect to them through meditation or maybe possibly uh, through the dream state that you could give us advice on how to do? I think the dream state is the safest way to do it. Uh, Certainly there's divination techniques such as the Ouija board and other things like that. But the problem with Ouija boards are that they tend to be a party line, meaning that uh, one minute you got one spirit, the next minute you got, you got another one. Mm -hmm. And so I can't really recommend that. Um, I certainly have done hundreds of them back in the 1990s, but Mm -hmm. Uh, I really recommend the frontal approach. I think the uh, best way to communicate with our loved ones and people we cared about is to naturally communicate with them uh, through the dream state. And also uh, understand that even though that that we maybe maybe cannot hear them, they can hear us. Hmm. And so actually maybe silently there's no you don't have to like physically speak out loud to dead people Mm -hmm. they communicate telepathically they don't have ears and eyes and uh larynxes and stuff Mm -hmm. what they do is they send an impulse to us which produces a sound in our head Mm -hmm. you see it's a Mm -hmm. scientific thing yeah and so they're they produce they transmit impulses to each other and that creates a sound and, and that also is a very scientific thing. So what I recommend doing is simply maybe sitting down quietly and just saying, you know, hey, I wish you the best. And I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you. Probably best that you don't do it out loud mm-hmm. and, and certainly not in public. I get you. <laughs> I get you. And not around any, any doctors. Yeah, yeah. No matter how, you know. They're going to pull out their prescription pad pretty quick. Yeah, but the, right. you know, and, and that's a joke, but the idea is yeah, that yeah, what, I, what I'm saying is that it's not necessary to do any of this out loud. That spirits mm-hmm. communicate telepathically, mm-hmm. and even if we can hear them, be very sure that they can hear us. And so the best thing to do is to sit there and maybe, you know, kind of, if you want, do a little meditation. But when you do meditation... You are placing your mind in another state. I practice meditation myself, and I have since I was 16, mm-hmm. uh, which was in 1976. Uh, and I still practice meditation, and I, I always will. 
but I can't recommend communicating with spirits while in a different state of mind, even though people do it. They can make a choice whether they do it or not. It's really not necessary. Sometimes it's almost better if you simply maybe ask them, you know, can you send me a little signal or maybe talk to me when I'm dreaming or something like that. You'd be surprised what might happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice, very nice. Be sure to follow Dragon the Line Facebook page for the latest. Follow me on all social media at One More Sanchez. And you can also follow Paul at Pauly G underscore SC. Now back to the interview. Your thoughts on aliens. Are they are perceived beings? Or are they a complete entity aside from spirits? Is that the best way? Do you know what I mean? So, so uh, I believe in aliens. I believe that uh, there's just no way that we are not only alone, that uh, that there are beings out there in other galaxies and in, in other parts of, uh, I mean, I can't even fathom how to explain that. Um, but however, could they also be spirits? Absolutely. Aliens die just like we do. And they become, that's, they become spirits. They also run a dual body, meaning that they are physical and spiritual at the same time, or physical and non-physical, it might be better said in a scientific way. And so, yes, we can have alien spirit guides. We may have had lifetimes on alien planets. Uh, my first encounter with physical aliens was when I was four years old in 1963. Uh, I woke up and there were two aliens in my, my bedroom. Uh, and uh, they were very quite. They were quite physical. Mm-hmm. They had uniforms on and some uh, very interesting gadgets that they were wearing on their chest. Mm-hmm. I did not know what they did, but they they lit up with lights that I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not hostile and made no hostile moves toward me. But eventually, I ran out of the room crying for my mother. When I came back in, they were gone, mm-hmm. and my mother completely believed me. Mm-hmm because all sorts of weird stuff was happening to me. She always said that, you know, Jeff, you know, I always believed you when you think these things happened to you. You're yeah. the kind of guy that aliens would visit. Mm-hmm. And, and even subsequent, you know, people that knew me later on uh, as an adult yeah. would say, you know, if, an, if, an, if, if, a, if a UFO would land in my backyard and, and pick you up, I wouldn't even bat an eyelash, Jeffrey. And and so I actually work with aliens uh, on a non-physical level in my work. And I've said so many times not to frighten people or to make myself look different. But I believe that uh, credit should be given where credit is due, Mm -hmm. meaning that some of the beings that I work for are aliens. And I make that quite clear in my books. I'm not trying to plug my books here. What I'm trying to say mm-hmm. is that I go into in much greater detail mm-hmm. uh, each, some of these events. Uh, their knowledge is uh, very useful. I think that the universe is teeming with life, Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just for our enjoyment. The stars are not just for... these. Are Most of these are just suns we're looking mm-hmm. at. They have planets around them. And that uh, I think at any given time, there are probably between 50 and 100 different races running around here, mostly on probably scientific missions. We have so many different different kinds of life. Mm-hmm. Could be a, they could have things as simple as underground restaurants here. Mm-hmm. 
beautiful fish under the sea yeah. uh, and all of that are probably interested in our technologies where we're heading. Uh, we unfortunately right now we're going through a very self-destructive and hateful period period in our life in our existence as yeah. human race. I look at it kind of like we're going through our terrible teens. We act very much like teenagers right now. We're obsessed with sex, we're obsessed with violence. We don't get along with anybody. We don't, we're very self-conscious about ourselves, about uh, other people. Uh, and we're very Social quick media. to, we're, yes, we're very quick to add anger towards each other. We're very short tempered with each other. And I think the aliens uh, are kind of hanging back a little bit uh, because we don't, if we can't get along with each other. How are we going to get along with beings that don't look anything like us? Yeah, that's very true. It's very true. And um, also have that have better technology. Yeah. Uh, right. Which really shouldn't frighten us. Mm -hmm. uh, but can you, you can be very sure that they're not going to sell us weapons. Yeah, I would always I've always felt that people who do or don't believe in, in aliens and UFOs and all that, that I always feel that. I mean, there's a whole I'm sure you know about the genre of the reptilians and and that's a whole nother thing. Um, it anything's possible. I don't know, but I do feel that if they were to attack us and wanted to destroy us as a species, they could have done that thousands of years ago, possibly billions of years ago, but they haven't. Um, so they're doing something, just not sure what. Uh, do you have any idea possibly of what it is it that they're doing with us here? Oh, absolutely. Like, what is their I purpose? Uh -huh. Yeah, they, I, there's a lot of purposes. There are a lot of purposes of why they're here. I don't think it's really important where they come from, Mm -hmm. Because I think they come from many places and they're very far away. Uh, I think the important thing is that why they're here. I, I think that some of them are here for reasons that have nothing to do with the human race, meaning that they may be studying different life forms and it's a very beautiful planet. Mm -hmm. It's full of life. And it, I think some of the spacecraft that we see might be actually, now I'm talking about a percentage Mm -hmm. actually kind of like hot rods that, that are not here necessarily on any particular big mission, but actually being operated by people who are just kind of cruising around looking at planets. That's just a percentage. Yeah. Also, on the other side, there are other more serious aliens that I think that are very concerned with our self. We're, we're at a very interesting point in our human existence. Yeah. We're at a point right now where we could go on or we could destroy the planet and ourselves. And I think everybody as a collective on a subconscious level or even a conscious level can feel that just little that little flicker of like there's something just not right in, in this world with everything happening, as you've seen uh, on TV last year uh, over the last 10 years. You know what I mean? But. We don't see any. Too. There are no ships that are 15 miles wide, such as in the movie Independence Day. Mm -hmm. There are no ships cruising over Moscow, London, New York, and Washington. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So there, there's we're not under attack. So that's not happening. You know, uh, there's obviously something else going on. And I think it's also multiple missions. I do not believe that there's one specific thing happening. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that there, it's also very possible that we were brought here. That uh, I, I, one of the things I find very interesting about space travel and aliens, I've, I've always been very interested in it. Mm -hmm. That I, I have a fascination myself in it with it, Paul. That mm -hmm. now I'm not saying 
I'm not cutting down whales or any other life form on mm -hmm. the earth. So mm -hmm. I want your audience to understand that. Mm -hmm. But we're the only species that is building spacecraft here on the earth and going out there and saying, hey, we're here. Come and mm -hmm. visit us. Here's some Beethoven. Here's a sixth grade class. Come and see us. We want to meet you. Who else is doing that? Interesting. I mean, why are we doing this? Yeah. We have a we just landed a spacecraft a couple of weeks ago on Mars, a week uh -huh. ago or so on Mars. Uh -huh. Got a helicopter and everything up there now. Uh -huh. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and 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 its prime purpose is to search for life, for life that existed on Mars. That's that's its prime objective is to look for signs that at some point in the in the past that there was some kind of life on Mars. And I think they're going to find it. Now, is our universe just so vast? Is that why we have not been able to make contact, per se? Make contact publicly, where everybody knows as a collective, oh, there is a living being out there. There is something out there other than us. Uh, like, you're right. I never looked at it that way. We keep trying to have people like, hey, look at us. Like, we want to be connected to, pe to, to other beings. Why isn't it that we haven't found it or, or have we already? The masses just don't know about it. Well, I was in the United States Air Force, and uh, let me just, uh, you know, the United States Air Force, I believe, is uh, a very good organization. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know if they're doing it anymore, mm -hmm. but there's plenty of evidence that we used to shoot at UFOs. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes being shot at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not a way to make friends. No. Especially no. when they have, like, like better technology and better yeah. weapons. Absolutely. I mean, and... So I imagine there has been a lot of skirmishes mm -hmm. between, you know, uh, us shooting at them and mm -hmm. them also probably knocking us out of the sky. And uh, and so I think that as long as I don't know if we're still shooting at them, mm -hmm. besides tracking them, I don't know. I've been mm -hmm. out of the Air Force for many years. Yeah. But the idea is that anytime that you have a hostile, you know, they're not stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the idea is that they come down, if they got craft in a fast way to get here, I don't think they're trapped or in suspended animation. They have found a fast way to get here. Yeah. I don't I don't think they even have a five o'clock shadow. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> that they're getting here fast. Yeah, yeah. And so the idea is that for some reason, we got it in our heads long ago. I don't know if this is still true, that the best thing to do is to fire at these things with, you know, our aircraft. As I said, nobody likes being shot at. It's possible that some lucky shots, you know, have brought some of these craft down. That's not a good thing. And that would likely to be essentially an act of war. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why, you know, if we sent a couple astronauts to Mars and a couple people came out, a couple of Martians that we didn't know were there came out and blew us away, we would consider that to be an act of war. Yeah, absolutely. And so the idea is that I think, and I don't mean this literally, mm -hmm. but I think it's true that I think somewhere out in that is a, a knowable thing, mm -hmm. somewhere out, probably on the other side of the asteroid belt, there's a big detour sign. Huh. There's some signs out there that say, watch out for the third planet from the sun. Yeah, They're not old, really friendly. It's that old joke that uh, aliens don't come in contact with us because they're, they're, they roll up their windows when they pass by Earth. <laughs> I don't, I do not believe to tell your audience something that I believe to be true. Mm -hmm. Uh, that they may not have, they may not agree with me on. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that the aliens are working with any governments on the planet Earth. I believe that they are approaching small groups of people 
and also individuals that they think that can also help them reach us and help us begin to not destroy our own planet and also destroy each other. Uh-huh. And, and they've had no luck with governments because the governments uh, and the people behind the governments uh, who actually own everything uh-huh. are homicidal. Yeah. Not all of them, but I mean, the idea is that they're not friendly uh-huh. and they are not friendly towards aliens. There are, there are a lot of people in the government who would be, but the idea is that anybody who's got better spacecraft or better technology, which I think is really an ego thing, uh-huh. I really do. And that uh, originally a lot of this came about because they simply have better technology than we do. And that the government was terrified to let people know that there are there, that they that there are things out there flying around that are clearly not from this planet that uh, they cannot even catch. All you have to do is lie once mm-hmm. and then people will lie to cover up that lie. So the idea is, why are they still lying and covering up information? Like I said, I don't believe it's because they feel, once the the excuse was that society would fall apart if they Uh knew that there were aliens out there. That's nonsense. I agree. What really is happening is, is that, unfortunately, this really comes down to ego. The idea that their spaceships are far more advanced than our best fighting aircraft. Yeah. They're pretty advanced. Yeah, I always thought that. I was like, well, what do they want with us if they are working with our government? Uh, I mean, I'm fascinating about all of that. And people out there, that's a whole nother four or five episodes with the Pleiadians and the Greys and, and the Reptilians. So I won't bore you guys with that. But I always thought that myself is, uh, you know, these uh, beings are, are so advanced technologically, uh, probably, spir- I don't even know spiritually, but they did, what, what would they want with us? And I kind of find that soothing your theory of, that, you know, they're just here, just kind of minding their own business, doing their own stuff, their own missions. And, and some and, of them, but I think also some of them, Paul, are actually trying to help us. But I think they're approaching small groups. What I say to the small groups that are trying to communicate with aliens out there, all these people who go to the, the different Comic Cons and mm-hmm. all of that, mm-hmm. these people are really on the right track. I do not make fun of these people. Mm-hmm. These are people who love everything outer space. They inherently know that yeah. that that we are not alone. Yeah. yeah. And so I do not laugh at them. And I, I think that most of the aliens that are here, I think some of them are here on scientific missions that have nothing to do with us. Some of them are here in order to try to get us to stop us from destroying ourselves. But I think also that because all aliens are not good, mm-hmm. just like all people are not good, Mm-hmm. that I think their ships are fully armed. And yeah. and so if you have technology that, say, that could take out a city, a country, or even a planet, mm-hmm. but you don't use it because you're advanced and you don't use it unless you have to, meaning that unless something attacks you, you're that advanced that you're not homicidal or self-destructive, you're not, would you give a weapon like that to the United States government or the Russian government or the English government or anybody else? I wouldn't, because we are likely to use it. Like what they did with the and nuclear. If you, if you study history, mm-hmm. and I have, mm-hmm. uh, we almost became very, very close right after we Americans bombed uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. We came very close to actually bomb uh, using one on Moscow. It's in the history books. Yeah. We, the, a lot of generals decided, now's our chance. Let's take them out. There'll be no Iron Curtain. They saw it coming. Take it out now. 
we'll rule the we'll rule the world. Yeah. And that would have been true. Yeah. We also would have killed millions of innocent people. Yeah. Uh, you know, but the idea is that we didn't do it, thank God. But mm-hmm. the idea is that they don't trust us with weapons. Yeah. I would I wouldn't either. I would not sell I, I like our military. Mm-hmm. I think our military, you know, the, that's the reason we can fly to, to Disney World is because we're being protected by our military. I don't have an issue with them. What I'm saying is that uh, I would not sell them any advanced weapons if I was an alien. I'm Absolutely just being honest. Not. I would say that to their face. And I was already in the military. I was in the Air Force. Yeah. Well, as like you said, it goes back to the ego, back with the, with the, with the nuclear arms race and all of that ego. No, well, we can't. We, we, we are prejudiced against each other due to religion. Mm-hmm. to our skin color, to our sexuality, and the list goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. How good. are we going to get along with beings that don't even look like us that may not have two legs or two arms or two eyes, and we're not, we can't get along with each other over small differences like skin color or religion or sexuality, tiny differences. How would we possibly get along with beings that don't look like us and they're not going to look like us? Well, you know, you guys heard it here. Uh, we're almost out of time. Oh, man, I can, you know, <laughs> a question was asked a while back, um, a person that I'd like to sit next to uh, on a park bench in that old homage question, you know, and I would love to sit here for hours and pick your brain on things like this. Uh, uh, but we're actually over over time, but it's fine because uh, I'm the co-host. So that's how it goes. <laughs> so, um, but is there something out there that, that, that you would like to get out there? Uh, would you tell us about your website? I know you had some audio books or uh, was it audio? Yeah, I, I created audio books uh, mm-hmm. in Europe and also the United States. Most of it is uh, about me and also my techniques. Some of them are workbooks. Uh, it really goes into the philosophy of what spirits are, mm-hmm. how the spirit world operates. Uh, it approaches it from a scientific perspective as opposed to a spiritual perspective okay. because I'm more of a, spi- a science guy. Uh, they're very inexpensive. You can find a couple of them on Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find all of it on my website. Uh, if you you know if you send me an email, uh, I'll send it to you for, for free. You know I, I have a link, mm-hmm. and I'll send you a link, and you can download that stuff and whatever. It's, there's mm-hmm. no tracking devices on or anything like that. I put it together myself. I have a background technology. Okay. My website is starclear.com. Starclear.com. There you can find everything you want to know about me and my contact information. I do not charge for consultations. All clients are confidential, which means your privacy is guaranteed no matter who you are. I work with people who are very, very well known and people who are not well or who are not known at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's no way your your privacy will ever be compromised by me in any way for any reason whatsoever, not money nor fame. I care not about either. Mm-hmm. And I did not get in, in this work for those reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, so I'm, I'm very easy to talk to. I do not charge for consultations, meaning that if you want to call me up and see if I can help you and tell mm-hmm. me what's going on, I'm not going to charge you. If you'd like a copy of one of my books, just write me uh, at my email address, which is on my website. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd be happy to send you a copy of what you would like for free. Are you able to do this? You don't have to be physically there to do any of these services. Can you do it on Zoom or through the phone call? I, I do all of my, almost all of my services now remotely. What okay. happened was when I became well known in about 2007, I started getting call, uh, uh, requests from people in China 
and the Middle East for help. And I thought, how can I do this? How can I do this? And what I did was with the help of my spirit guides, I learned some techniques that I could use through focusing on pictures and also on people in Zoom, like say uh, Skype at the time uh-huh. and other things that were available. Uh, Zoom came along later on, of course, but uh, the idea is that, and I can help you wherever you are in the world. You do, I do not need to go into your home and uh-huh. we can't do that anyways right now. And I, I'm very, very busy. So please, uh-huh. you know, get a hold of me. Okay. And I'm, uh, and what I do is very logical. I can explain to a T how I work and and as well as everything that I do. Okay. Do you have an Instagram page or a Twitter page? Is that all on your uh, website as well? It's all on my website. I have a okay. Twitter page, but I really mm-hmm. it's kind of hooked into my LinkedIn page, meaning that when I post on LinkedIn, I post on Twitter. Yeah. I'm not a, a a huge follower of Twitter only because that I can't say anything in 140 in 185 characters or less. <laughs> Very true. Not even my name. As you probably you already discovered, I'm kind of long-winded. Uh, that's and all right. so it's there's not there's I can't do a 185 character limit. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I've I've really enjoyed my time and I thank you for your time and um I would love to get with you again. Uh, toward the end of the year, if possible, uh, just to do a, just a, a follow up. And, and I'd like to get into other stuff uh, with what you do as well. And um, we'd like to get feedback from the uh, from the audience. And maybe they'll have some questions as well that we weren't able to get to in this hour and a half that we've been talking. Um, but um, is there anything that you need from us? No, I, I would be very happy to return to the show. I think it's a great show. Great questions, Paul. Okay. And I'm looking forward to more of it. All right. All right. Thank you so much again. And um, I'm pretty sure you'll be hearing from us. Uh, We're not sure when this is going to come out, but uh, the week um, that it does come out, we will let you know. We'll email you and just say, hey, um, here are our links or whatever if you want to. We're going to, you know, edit it. Uh, So it just, I think you're going to enjoy. I think you're going to like what we do with it. Uh, We've been doing this for a good, a good bit. So, and whatever you told me not to put in, (laughs) I won't. (laughs) Paul, I got to ask you a question though. I've been dying to ask you the whole show since we're off the air now. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. The third picture at the bottom, is that the ghost? Which one? Well, there's a, there's a, and here I have a third pic. We have from my screen. Uh-huh. There's there's me on the top right, uh-huh. you on uh-huh. the top left, and on the bottom there's an empty couch that's been there the whole time. Oh no, that's uh, that's Jesse's Zoom. <laughs> I thought it was. Yeah, it's his but Zoom. In my yeah. own mind, what, what was keep me from laughing was I uh-huh. thought that was the ghost apartment. Oh yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I kind of pictured the ghost kind of sitting there going, you know, he's right. I'm, I'm kind of liking the show. Yeah, yeah. That, if, only see, could, the... if only they could see me. Yeah, exactly. That would be nice. <laughs> I've been kind of looking at the screen and watching this empty couch, and, I, and it's like, yeah, well, I guess yeah. that's the ghost couch. You know, yeah, there so. you go. That, that would be nice to have. That'd be true. Um, he's not uh... scary at all. <laughs> these go. humans are not scary. I thought these humans were scary, but they're not. Now people do Even that Paul too. Paul are nice. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Well, Jeffy, I appreciate <laughs> your time, buddy. We'll talk to you very soon. Okay. Okay, Paul. I'll talk to you later. I right, take you, bud. All right, bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. That was the show. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. I want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of Dragon the Line podcast. Shout out to Jeffrey Selman for being on the show. Tune in next week for a new episode. Shout out to all the kids who got ADHD like me. Sanchez out. And remember, everybody, do good. Be a good person. Help others in need. Because remember, if you're not dragging on, you're only dragging the line.
And that one is you No other will 